Hey, mother. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to another edition of Yippie Kaye Mother Podcast. I'm Ralph Quartrucci. I'm Sean Paul Murphy. I'm Debbie Murphy. I'm Michelle Wojo Wojcikowski. I'm Brad Barrowy. I'm John Quartrucci. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Drew Gould. And we have a special guest. Sean, would you like to introduce our guest, please? Yes, um, our special guest this week is Trish Schweers. Uh, she's a friend of Debbie and mine, and she's a longtime listener to the podcast. She even listens to the Q Brothers. Yes. And, well, yeah. One, um, to talk about Bride of Frankenstein with us. Her background is she's in the film business. She has shot films in, worked on films in Europe, Asia, Indonesia, Australia, and the United wow. States. Worked quite a bit with um, <laughs> director Bruce Beresford. She's oh, oh, worked on a lot of sets with a lot of stars. And <laughs> now she's here with us. She's very talented and she's uh, very beautiful and she's a very dear friend of ours. Welcome, Trish. Well, welcome aboard. Oh, what an introduction. Wow. Holy how, cow. Do you, how do you get by that? Wait a minute. <laughs> All right. Well, here we start. So I'm just going to point to somebody. We're going to say, what did, what did you watch this week? So let's start with Wojo and Brad. We watched the rest of The Queen's Gambit. Great. And? I, oh. oh, loved it. Oh. Absolutely. No spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I, I mean, they pack so much into each episode. You know, when we first thought, saw it was seven and a limited episode series, we thought, well, seven, I mean, what kind of, because you're used to, you know, at least 10, a couple scenes, right. blah, blah, blah. It was just fantastic. Yep. Highly recommend. Good. Good. Uh, Drew, what do you got? Well, I'm not going to talk about the Queen's Gambit because you guys already <laughs> talked about it. I think you mentioned it a week or two ago, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful, and you should all watch it. Yeah. Um, well, I watched, uh, I watched three things this week. Uh, <laughs> one... One was a, a movie that um, was, I guess, a long-awaited sequel that nobody was waiting for called Terminator Dark Fate. Oh. And um, it was a movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I also watched uh, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, oh, which is a Sam Elliott movie that looks like a big, crazy exploitation movie and has the credits and everything. But it's actually a really sort of sad, mournful uh, look at being old and figuring out that you may have made mistakes in your life. So that was really fun. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and then the best, the Pretty best tough. thing that I watched. I, I mean, I thought I would like it, but it was really quite wonderful, and I actually cried. Uh, Chelsea Handler has a new special on HBO called Evolution, which is hmm. really funny and really great. And also, she talks a lot about how the death of her brother shaped her life and her family, and it's really hmm. like really moving. Like wow. wow. So. Um, I would skip Terminator. Um, if you're in a <laughs> quiet mood, you can watch The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot, but you have to rush the title. It's no assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, but it gets there. <laughs> uh, but I would recommend Chelsea Handler Evolution, which I believe uh, I saw it on HBO Max. I don't know if it's an HBO Max exclusive or just HBO, but it's definitely worth checking out. Oh, nice. Uh, good. Sean and Debbie. Well, we are watching, and we're not, we don't want to talk about it yet. We are watching Queen's Gambit. We're not done. It's a double, double risk. We're sitting down and watching three to four episodes back to back in a long time. However, the big film we saw over the week was uh, uh, we were 
sort of um, trying a film out for possible inclusion on the, the podcast called Straw Dogs, mm. which we watched with our friend Trish because she was thinking about that film after our Clued episode when we were talking about films that left people who saw them too young kind of, you know, in a weird sexual, um, you know, perversion. Here we go. <laughs> and um, Trish saw Straw Dogs, another film from 1971. Oh, my God. Such a year. <laughs> what a year. And um, I will say, I don't want to say too much about the film in case we watch it later, but it was the Criterion disc. And um, <laughs> one, one of the people said that Sam Peck and Paul set out to have the best rape film yet. You know, oh. yet. We always so. got to say rape one time in this show, every time. I'm Amazing. not watching that movie. I mean, I'm not here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ring the bell when we do rape now. It's unbelievable. All right, following that, how about you, Trish? Did you see anything this week like the, other than Straw Dogs that you'd like to mention? No pressure? Hmm? Trish, did, yeah. did you see anything this week? <laughs> yeah. I'm new, I'm new. Uh, I was very glad to be able to see Straw Dogs with uh, sensible company because it's clear that it would not be a really good recommendation to watch. Again, I haven't seen it since I was 13. Wow. Uh, You saw that when you were 13? A friend in eighth grade, her mother dropped us off at the movie theater, the Pikes. There were three of us. We were eighth grade buddies. We went in to see the movie and thought our biggest issue was going to be what we would eat during the movie, if it'd be noisy or not. And then and then we saw the movie and we came out and her mom met us at the parking lot and said, how was the movie? We all just looked at each other and said, it was terrible. (laughs) We knew we couldn't dare tell her mother what the movie was. And then she said, well, do you think that your brother would like it? And we thought, <laughs> oh, no. Don't let him see it. I just am. Um, yeah. So it was a good viewing, uh, very thoughtful discussion afterwards and the criterion commentary as well. I, I can see it has some value in the history of film, but I hope I never see it again. And wow. I would recommend it as a general this, viewing. Just made about call Trish. You made about four six of this podcast very happy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there I have watched I watched it to see what it was, but I didn't have good recollections from the old days. Oh wow. I just wow. I just remembered that it was something that I remember as it was happening, I was thinking I shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> I'm not supposed to see this. <laughs> I, had the, I had the opposite reaction to Clute seeing it after forty years. So yeah, it's funny yeah. how this works. Well, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, All right. And I, that's good. Yeah. Okay, John? I, So anyway, that's the main thing I watched this week. I didn't really have a time. I don't know. I, I made the schedule where you can see three movies in a week. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Well, we're not supposed to talk about the three, like Drew. But anyway, um, <laughs> before I give you my recommendation, I think it's really important that I remind everybody... That, uh, oh, we want you to subscribe, like, share, hit the notification nice. bell. We're wow. available on all kinds of streaming services. You don't get this Fancy. kind of content anywhere. So please <laughs> take advantage of it. Now, what am I watching? Well, one of them I mentioned on uh, the I'm sorry, John. Right? We're out of time. I watched, <laughs> well, well, Drew, you did take 20 minutes. Um, I watched High Noon, which I absolutely love. 
Uh, one of my favorite westerns of all time, and uh, I finally watched the final season of Shit's Creek. Oh. Uh, love that show. I think the I wasn't crazy about the final season. I thought it was okay. It wasn't nearly as funny. Catherine O'Hara was still still the funniest thing on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the last season was a little bit weak, but I I love the send off at the end where they kind of righted everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I recommend it highly if you haven't seen it. Um, so that's what I'm watching. That's what I. Yeah, watch. I just started watching that one. It looks pretty funny. It is. It's oh, funny. It's, it's, really it's good fantastic. Yeah. That's not my recommendation, though. <laughs> Mine is a movie on Hulu, starring Sarah Paulson called Run. Oh, Run! I've heard of this. She plays a mother who has a small child. The small child, not the small child, but the, her daughter, played by Kira Allen, and it's about their story um, of them growing up together. It's a it's a horror. Basically, a kind of a, I don't want to say full horror, but it's a, it's a movie about a mother who controls her daughter's life. Her daughter's in a wheelchair and played by an actress who's a paraplegic and does a fantastic job. And Sarah Paulson goes full nurse ratchet <laughs> in this film. She plays a mother who has the baby's born with some problems at the beginning and the mother has to take care of her whole life. And the whole premise of this movie is about the daughter's about to leave for college and how it's going to affect parents who have been taking care of their children for so long. Mm. And it starts with Sarah Paulson saying, I can't wait for her to go. I want to date again. I want to get out. And it's just the opposite of that. But you got to watch it all the way through to the end because it's got a great button at the end. And it's it's very well acted. It's on Hulu. No commercials. It plays straight through. It's it's a fantastic film. So you guys should check that one out. Run, run Lola, run. It's not Run Lola. It's only one run. Run. Just run. That's what it's called. <laughs> I, I read something about that movie, and it was described as the first thriller uh, built around a main character in a wheelchair since 1948. Wow. Uh, I looked that up, and there's a movie by John Sturgis that I've never heard of called The Sign of the Ram, where the lead character is in a wheelchair. <laughs> and, and apparently that was not anything that anybody explored. I, I couldn't remember the year. I thought, are they going to say we are a window or something? But it was The Sign of the Ram. So apparently Run is really something we haven't seen before. Huh. And she does an amazing job. The stuff she has to do. This physical thing she has to do. There's all kinds of stuff about how she's handling what's going on. It's fantastic. So if you get a chance, take a look at that one. But today we're here to, Debbie has brought a film to the table. Debbie, tell us what film you brought. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie and uh, it's, uh, you know, I saw it. uh, I don't remember seeing it before Young Frankenstein, but I know I did. Um, but then when, um, or maybe I saw young Frankenstein first, then when I married Sean, he showed me all his movies, um, with, uh, Boris and you got to love Boris and, um, Bella, of course, uh, the old, uh, monster actors. <laughs> and, uh, this movie was just so fantastic for me to watch when I saw it. I picked this one when we were going through our favorite, uh, movies, Trish, Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to win, but it didn't even get second place. <laughs> you, seem, you, in the, you mean in the... Yeah, the, the, yeah. so the I left. picked it roulette in so, the Halloween roulette. Yeah, the Halloween roulette. She's not bitter about it. Not at all. Got it back in like, the mix. Yeah. Do we have to mention that there are spoilers? Give people time. Yeah, it's a pretty recent. You gotta film. wait until it's been at least eighty-six years to start talking. <laughs> Not only that, 
not, not only that, the uh, the story starts the opening scene. Well, do you want to see a trailer first, or do you yes, want to? Let's see okay, the trailer. We'll let's see show it. the trailer because I don't know if anybody's seen this film. To be honest with you. So beautiful. Uh, it, the opening scene, you guys remember, there's the writer of um, Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley, which she wasn't Mary Shelley at that time. She was in the uh, conversation with her would be future husband, um, Percy. The, Percy. 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 And, um, you Lord know, Byron. and Lloyd Byron. And Lord. England's greatest sinner, Lord Byron. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, they start out with their discussion, which I love the opening of that scene. The, um, you know, it was just so beautiful to see that. And uh, then uh, basically he, um, uh, Dr. Frankenstein, he uh, manufactures a human being, you know, like creator. And it's very philosophical, this movie. I loved it. And uh, what I loved about it also was going back and seeing this film, comparing it to the original um, Young Frankenstein, which was a mm-hmm. of this one, you know, so I, it was just great how it was so funny. And some of the scenes that I'd watched with The Bride of Frankenstein was uh, pretty much uh, duplicated in Young Frankenstein. Uh, scene for scene and I'm just actually going back and laughing at this the funny um way that it was done so i really totally enjoyed the film just Wait a minute, the uh, funny way young frankenstein was done or this one was done this one was uh reminding me of how funny young frankenstein was right. to go back and say wow that it, it's so hilarious. I got a second joke, you know what I mean, by watching Bride of Frankenstein. Especially the scene with the hermit. I mean, you couldn't stop thinking oh of Gene God. Hackman. That's all I can think of with Gene Hackman. <laughs> Wait for Gene Hackman to be, you know, make you crack up. Cigars! <laughs> Why good? You know, just the way. Oh, and I love the way. Now, the um, director did not did want Frankenstein to talk. But there was controversial talk that he shouldn't have been able to talk. Well, Karloff didn't want it to talk. 
He was the one that didn't want to yeah. want her to talk. Not that the director wanted him to talk. The director wanted yeah. it. Yeah. Because that's more like the the novel. The novel, he's articulate. And that's what I thought was weird is that he talks, right. but he talks like, uh, you know, right. me die, you right. good wife, you work. And I wonder how they made that choice when they decided that he would talk. Now, Trish, you had just read the novel, didn't you, in a book club or something? A few months ago. Yeah, not long ago. It was, he was, he was so articulate in the novel. I mean, he, he wrote, he wrote long, complicated treatises. I think he might have even known as second language. He, he, uh, he didn't start off as um, an imbecile. In the, in the well, movies, they play him. That's not as scary, speech, right? His speech in this movie makes him seem imbecilic. Well, it does also uh, uh, echo the idea that when you get a transplant, you know, this guy, anybody creating a life like that, you would have some kind of memory. Your cells, it's really strange how that's done. You know, your body has memory. The cells in your body has memory. And uh, it's so conceivable that you can, even though you've done some brain damage if you've been dead and now you're alive, theoretically. I would but, no, uh, really? They yeah. should have had some. I, 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 I'm just shocked at how philosophical we're getting. Yeah. This, is why, this is why you brought this film, because you there's some metaphor you're trying to tell us. I can't quite get to what you're getting <laughs> yeah, at here. It's, it's alive. It's so it's alive. Alive. It's right. I'm trying to figure out what you're saying to us. Can you just say it? What is yeah. it? Okay, life is uh, more than what we would know. You know, here we are in 2020, and we're just beginning to unlock the secrets of, you know, we got mRNA that's, you know, doing all this good stuff with the viruses you know we it's amazing it's amazing to me that we we've come so far and learning about the bot you know how cells work how memory is is in the cells and it can you could just have a couple of cells and there have been incidences of transplants uh patients who have some kind of weird memory you know past well of young past. frankenstein they definitely traded Stuff. Yeah, when they yeah. got that brain from that person, Abby, Abby Normal. Normal Frankenstein, where the guy they they think if they cut the head off of this one guy, that his whole life will be based on that memory. But they get the wrong head, and they end up with the guy who's not. He has a good nose, but he doesn't have the brain they wanted. <laughs> so they get stuck with this crazy person who goes around killing people. Yes, but, but they didn't carefully pick in Bride of Frankenstein they just didn't he just pick a girl who was 19 who happened to die young with the heart yeah no they killed her no they killed her they murdered her they killed her he went out and killed her yeah so the the point it would seem like his standards were get somebody young not somebody with a lot of good memories or anything well you wanted someone with a fresh heart yeah you promised me a thousand crowns (laughs) it was a Dwight Fry accident case (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes okay so there's many things in this movie okay okay the little people pretorious yeah. with the little people oh, and the uh, yeah. little black magic the, the film the film is gorgeous beautifully shot it's beautiful mm-hmm. now so i think we talked about this in the roulette but who directed james james whale james whale like he this is the like, movie where he let his freak fly like he was right. going to do whatever he wanted in this film because he was not going to do the sequel he did okay. not want to do it so what did he add to, what was his flourishes in this that, that made it what it is? 
the openly gay well is that's like, one the but he also opened up the sets the sets were gigantic compared to the first one when you look at that the frankenstein house with the high ceilings really really overblown so that they had more money to spend uh, it was very quirky i mean it was quirky and, and, and it was because of uh, Dr. Pretorius, Una O'Connor as the maid he there. Just, didn't he make top. sure she was in this because he picked yeah. her? It's That was maybe one of his power plays, too, that he got her. Is that Minnie, the woman playing Minnie? Yeah. yeah. The screaming. Part. Yeah. Flav yeah. Wooker. Flav Wooker, right? Yes. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> Only a diminutive of Frau Barucha. And yeah. frankly, this is... That, um, she's in the first scene, too, taking the dogs out. Yes. This oh, is yeah. uh, this is one of the sequels that's better than the original. Oh, yeah. This is better than the original. And the original is a classic. And yeah. I think because... And James Will ne- never really got to do this again, where it was all his vision, and they really left him alone. Uh, well, what exactly made this better than the first one? Because they had more to play with. There was more... I mean, because of the bride. What made this better than the first one? I'm well, just asking completely. I don't know. Well, but, I would say for a couple reasons. One, the first film was was you know kind of humorless. It was very straightforward. It was a very good horror film and had a lot of creepy things, and it had some good sets. But this one, you know, this one had a huge amount of humor, and it had like I'm surprised they got away with this Praetorius character postcode because you know it's more than just the fact that you don't have to scratch very far to assume that he's gay but additionally he is so evil you know what i mean there's like he's not redeemed redeemable at all i mean he's evil and he's loving it you know and he's so misogynistic you know you had a thought he came out of a peck and paw film like the way he sniffs at the wife like you know woman talking to me it's surprised that he wants to make a woman but he's so, you know, delightfully diabolical and you really, but he's funny enough that it compensates for like how like um, evil he is. I mean, in fact, you know, he never really gives, you know, Frankenstein's obsession with creating life is understandable. He talks about it, but for, um, you know, Praetorius, it seems to be more theoretical, you know, and he has like no conscience that he's created these little people. I mean, it's like, what are these little people going to do? It isn't like he's able to put them back into the world or create, you know, create something. Well, so, I bet that- back then people were amazed at how they realistically yeah. made that, you know, what the camera tricks and editing and things that they did. So it looked like there were actual little people. We talked about mm-hmm. that, that people were probably just completely freaked yeah. out, you know? Yeah, it did. It looked good. It still looks good. Yeah, it does. It does. But, uh, yeah. It but was also was, very it was very anti-religion too. I don't know if you caught that, Deb. Yeah. You oh, know, one, at one point he talked about uh uh he talked about Bible stories mm. very snarkily. Mm-hmm. And then the other scene was when Frankenstein's walking through the uh uh cemetery, they Oops. originally filmed it where he knocks over the cross. Right. And uh the censors wouldn't let them do that. So they wow. reshot it where he knocks over the bishop instead. <laughs> <laughs> With the cross in the background, which sent the message that he wanted. So it was very interesting the way they did that. And the one time he threw the guy. There's Christ references, too. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, the obvious one. Right. Being thrown in. I mean, the the theology of the film is is kind kind of confused. It's the creative process. You know, when when we go and what we really, what's scary to me, I I don't know. This movie echoes 
some of the dangers of, um, you know, uh, cloning. Cloning? You know, which is science. Yeah, it's the creation. Yeah. Here's the weird thing about cloning. I mean, philosophically or theologically or whatever way, creativeness when you do that, you're becoming like God. But do you have, we can clone people, we can clone uh, things like that. It's a matter of time. But do those beings, are the, do they have a soul? You know, and if you you think about your grandchildren, you think about your great grandchildren and your great great grandchildren. What if they were to marry somebody that did not possess a soul? Now that would be a movie for you know twenty eighty. Okay, can we get back to the little people now? The little people in the jars. I'm still. I know you're trying to send a signal here. I'm not quite catching the drift. I think the little people, I, I remember, I mean, I, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time, but I didn't see it until um, I think I was in college or something. And I remember I was watching it and I I was like, well, this is a very good movie. I'm enjoying it. I, I The vibe is different. But then I saw the little people and I said, this movie is way weirder. <laughs> that's fantastic. And to me, that's that's one of the big things you asked about, like what makes it a better yeah. sequel. It is, you know, as John said, it's bigger, but it's also, it's not just that it's a larger sequel. It is, it is just different and weird. And whenever I think of the movie, I actually think of the little homunculi before I think of, of anything else, because that's the scene that made me go, I don't know what's going to happen in this movie that's at the time 60-some years old that I've never seen. Right, and, right. Um, it's just really... It's really, it's really, um, it's just remarkable that they were able to do this, you know, 85 years ago. Because Frankenstein is is a good movie and it's a good horror movie, but this is weird and funny yeah. and has a great script. And I guess James Whale did the movie because they let him do other movies that he really wanted to do. But then this is, I guess, the most James Whale movie that ever was made. And um, I, we'll probably talk about this later, but I don't know if you guys have seen Gods and Monsters a, the yeah. movie about James Whale yeah. making this movie. Yeah. That I think has a lot of great insight also yeah. into who the mm-hmm. guy was and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the world of gods and monsters. Yeah. But I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the creations in this movie, they live on uh, for a reason. And it's just really good. It's also a way, way better sequel to Frankenstein than that other movie that I didn't care for about a, a younger Frankenstein or something. Ghost of Frankenstein. No. The third no, he's one. talking about young Frankenstein. About young Frankenstein. Oh, you son of a... It's, I know. But it's, 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 uh, 6,000 views. 6,100 views. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> well, you can see why Mel Brooks mined his script from this movie. I mean, you can sure. see all the elements yeah. are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right down to the equipment. I think they use the same equipment. They did. From this yeah. film. Yep. They did. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's just rich with all that stuff you guys are talking about. No question. And even the scenes where the, the villagers are jumping down into the, right at the beginning where the guy drowns, you know, the guy with mm-hmm. the little Maria that drowned, and then the wife falls behind him, and the mic. It is very strange. And yeah, I mean, but, he murders, he flat out murders the one guy in the water and then kills an innocent old woman. Who had already lost her child in the previous movie? I mean, this well, is that was the father of the child that went down. Well, they did the try to burn him up in the window. Yeah, they did try. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's a lot of bad blood there. Yeah, yeah. The one guy he killed it reminded me of Propeller Man in the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> you throw it and hit the rock and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that, so, I, I mean, like the way they set that up at the beginning with Mary Shelley, Elsa Lancaster. I was going to talk about that. She was beautiful in that scene, and then she was the bride. But they also set up uh, a, a rehash of the first that. movie showing flashbacks, which was interesting. I don't know how often they did that back then. Mm, that's but true. they showed you that. scenes from the original movie to set it up, so I thought that was kind of cool the way they did that. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that conceit at the beginning, I think some people complained about that scene at the beginning i've read something about well, people weren't happy about the conceit they did having them talk about the book she wrote and then having her be the character because if you look in the huh. credits it says the bride you know and there's something like guess who or we don't know who it's gonna question be. Mark. question mark question they did the same thing with Karloff in the first movie oh really yeah, yeah but this time it was he got top billing Karloff was like share that's right <laughs> And he was a bit, look, I, I know that uh, in the book, he was much more articulate, but remember the sequel is based on the first one where he was mute, a right. child basically. So yeah. he wasn't going to be articulate. He was a child learning to speak. So I actually think it worked. In fact, Karloff later on in life said that uh, it was the right choice because frankly, in the, in the blind man scene, it worked beautifully. And mm-hmm. at the end, when he, fi- when he achieves his humanity. Yeah. He, he needs to be able to articulate that. And I think he did it in a simple way, like a child, because that's how Karloff played it. He played it as a child, not the way it was written in the book. And I think it works. And the other thing is Jack Pierce's makeup, which was so, which is so incredibly iconic. When you think of Frankenstein, you think of that. Well, think about female horror characters. Mm-hmm. And really the only one who comes to mind is the Bride of Frankenstein because the look is so distinct, right? But how many female monster characters can you think of that come to mind when when you ask that when you're asked that question it's usually the bride of frankenstein that you think of young frankenstein they did the exact same thing with the wig and everything so another iconic look and it was a beauty makeup if you yeah. noticed it it was a beauty makeup other than oh, yeah. the scars yeah. on her neck right it wasn't like the monster was so it were in that noise she made which was uh she said she heard swans or something the hissing, that was her idea. Well, the hissing from the swans. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was perfect. And the look on his face when he realized, you know, she had no interest in him at all. I mean, it yeah. said everything to me. That was a monster. That was a monster. She was just like, and that was Jeez. a monster. Friend, <laughs> friend. Dating. Yeah. So like sweet. Dating. Again, I think Debbie's trying to say something here. I don't know. For my yeah, own. You know, right. It says a lot about marriage, too. You know? Ah, here we go. <laughs> I knew it. Um, resolution at the end where he sends he sends the happy the good people away and just mm-hmm. burns them all down. We must die. Oh, that I wait, Trish, since you brought that up, I want to show you something. Yeah, so we'll do it like huh? this. In the original ending, Dr. Frankenstein gets killed. They uh, reshot the ending to have the happy ending. You could see him against the wall. Uh, that's what I'm going to show you. If you see on the left, oh yeah, that's Doctor Frankenstein. That's the final scene in the movie, uh-huh. and Frankenstein's got it on the uh, the lever right there. So they were going to kill him off, and they they wanted a oh what was that a happier ending than was originally thought of. And I think it worked, too, because, again, I think it showed uh, Frankenstein's humanity, uh, the monster's humanity. It's it's the same right. thing. People yeah. think it's a little sappy, but in the hermit scene, mm-hmm. when when the hermit says, you know, I finally have a friend, and you see the tear going down the mountain. I mean, that is, I mean, that was an emotional scene. 
yeah. for a movie of this type. And, and you know, t- to be honest, I'm a huge Universal Monster fan. All those movies I absolutely love. This is the best one out of the bunch because I think the characters are the best. I mean, Pretorius, that guy, the, the, the scene that encapsulates everything is when he's sitting at the coffin and this big hulking monster comes out of the shadows, and he turns and says, oh, I thought I was alone. That's such a great line. And it tells you everything about it. Beautiful. John, John, how about this scene? When he's sitting there with the skull and the bones. Yeah, with the food and the wine. He was awesome. He was a great character. Just a great evil character. They like... Oh, the drinking of the wine. He says, it's my only... Yeah, the, my only... Yeah. And he said that like four when times in the movie. Is my <laughs> only vice. Smoking is my only vice. Heroin <laughs> is my only vice. You know? Right. He's a very self-aware guy. Yeah. <laughs> and then for the first time, when when, uh, when when the monster speaks and Dr. Frankenstein is like, right? yes, there's been some... There's been some... I don't know what the word he used was. But like, there's been some changes or something. Mm-hmm. It was just so mm-hmm. funny the way they did it. So I just I just love this movie. It's just beautiful. And Franz Waxman did the music, and the oh, score is oh, unbelievable. Oh, and it was used in the Flash Gordon serial after this. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's oh, a wow. great score. Everyone had their own theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the bride had the wedding march, that little three-note wedding march. What a Martin great wedding night. He said it yeah. And Pretorius <laughs> had his little freaky one. Just, I just love this movie. Score, all it. of the music was unresolved until the final end, ending scene. Which it really you, it's subliminal when you watch it, but then when you realize that that music just you know doesn't resolve, and then you're that. waiting and you're waiting, so it builds tension in the in the score. That's what I really loved about it. Just like yeah, they actually played her theme in the opening scene with uh, when Elsa was Mary Shelley. They played that theme. The only question, my only knock on this movie, and there's only one: Why does a scientist have a lever in the castle to blow up the castle? Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand that. Why do you have it? It makes it's not functional. Why do you need it? Just well, in case. Yeah. Just in case. He said when he set up his uh, his his table and uh, to steal all the electricity from the air. I guess that's the the uh, the surge protector for the rest of the house. <laughs> just, just blow the whole thing up. Don't touch the lever. No. Wait until the lightning's done. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have yeah, the right the doctor was like $5,000 more. We could put a lever there, blow up the whole place. Mm-hmm. 5000 I would probably put it in for two. Two two's okay. It'll take you a month. Yeah. Take two weeks. Month. Two weeks. Um, I've seen this film listed as science fiction. Does anybody else think it fits in with that? Well, yeah. I think it, for is the it, time, yeah. Is it so, I mean, like, is Jurassic Park. The people in the jar. Is Jurassic Park science fiction because it's about you know creating like I'm not I don't know I mean it could yeah. be it could be either you know to me this this yeah. movie also I don't know if you guys have seen um, this is definitely science fiction and it's also supremely weird have you seen the movie Splice with uh, yeah. Adrian Brody yeah yeah that's that's a movie about people who are trying to create um, basically uh, in the in the lab create meat that people can eat without having to slaughter cattle. And so they create a life form, but it's not stable. And then they say, well, I guess we'll just make a person. It's female, go well. but it's, it's not, it's not human. It's Sarah Polly and Adrian Brody. They're amazing. I cannot remember the name of the actress who plays uh, the, I guess the little girl, but it's it, that I watched that movie and it reminded me of this because mm-hmm. it might be, it might be science fiction, but it's also that, that oddness that is, 
Like, there's a lot of weird stuff in science fiction, but this is genuinely odd, and it, and it drew me into it. And Splice was the same way because I mean, I I just I don't know where this is going to go, but I want to know. Whereas Frankenstein, it's not it's not shocking the twists and turns that it takes. And so, as sequels go, that's another reason I think it's a better sequel. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's funny when you look at the science considerations of science at the time. They're talking about the heart being the most complex organ. Oh, right. You know, mm-hmm. which is obviously um, not the case at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's your brain that's telling you it's the most important, so you don't know if you can trust it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cerebral. I That is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. Now, Drew, I have a question for you. We were talking about, like, the, some of the Christian symbolism in it, but as they were pointing out in the commentary track, when he brings out the little people, he's wearing a skull cap re- reminiscent of a yarmulke, mm-hmm. and they're thinking it's a ref- it's a Jewish reference, you know, and they're saying they took it alchemy. from uh, alchemy, the, alchemy, and also um, the golem. You know, the uh, silent. Well, I mean, the the Frankenstein, the whole Frankenstein story. I think probably I don't know about the novel, but definitely explicitly some of the movies that, that have been inspired by it is the story of the golem. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but no. uh, for our listeners, it, basically the golem is the the shortest version is there's uh, in, in Europe in the Middle Ages there's a Jewish community that's under threat of a pogrom of being attacked. So what they, the community does, the rabbi made, makes a figure out of mud and he writes on the head, on the face of this, this giant metal, I mean, this giant clay man, he writes the word truth, emet in Hebrew, and it comes to life and it defends them and it kills all the people that want to kill them. But it's also then out of control. So you have to stop it. So they created a monster like Frankenstein did. And the mm. monster is slips out of control. And the way that you stop a golem is you got to go up to its head. So this is not safe. And you rub off the first letter of Emmet and it becomes the word Met. These are all the Hebrew letters. And that means death. So the mm. idea of building a monster and, uh, and losing control of it and different versions of the golem, some of them have its own agency. Some of them, it's essentially like an automaton, like a metropolis, like all like the very classic things that you see in a lot of these movies. But the golem is one of my favorite, um, favorite um, things in folklore and, and anything. I don't know if you guys read um, The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon. Yeah. Um, fantastic book, fantastic author. And that's yeah. basically part of that. It's all about comic books and all these things, but part of it is about uh, children that wish they could create a golem to save their family that they've lost from the Nazis. And so it's very primal, building a monster to protect your community. And yeah. it's weird because they built the monster in the first movie because they're arrogant and they want to create life. But then they built the monster in the second movie because the monster they built is like a lonely 13-year-old. And he's <laughs> and it's kind of sweet and it's actually really tragic that she doesn't like him. Yeah. And then you have to pull the lever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, thinking, taking a current now into our times uh you know they've done they've tried uh, uh, uh they've tried versions of this where the monster is articulate mm-hmm. and uh, you know those things i think there's a tv series i can remember back in the michael 70s sarazen 80s. michael sarazen that's yeah. right and they they follow more of the book where he yeah. goes into the arctic and he hunts him in the arctic and the i think oh yeah i watched a and, couple of episodes of that yeah much yeah. truer to the book right yeah yeah. And they did it with De Niro too. De Niro's yeah, they version. Tried De Niro. they did all that. Frankenstein yeah. Unbound, I think, is, a, is something. With There's also with... one where with Sean Bean as a, a, I think, a police detective. I saw that. Yeah, the same I like that. kind of period. So yeah. wardrobe is like Frankenstein, and it's called Frankenstein Chronicles. But it, it's uh, I didn't watch enough episodes to see if they finally solved who's killing these people, but. 
it's it's unclear in the first two episodes. Yeah, he was good. At this that. That film, was a good if this film came out, would would kids watch this film now? Well, no. they wouldn't do it like this. Kids wouldn't. They, t- they, they were talking about remaking it with uh, you know when Universal was going to have the dark universe. They were going to have Angelina and Jolie be the bride. Well, they did a movie called The Bride, where Sting played Frankenstein. Yeah, with and, uh, uh, Jennifer Beals, I think, wasn't Flash she the bride? Flashdance yeah. played the bride. Did you see it? Was it like this version? No, no. Well, it was. It was not car. It was contemporary, but it was. It was not. She was. She was articulate, and she, you know. Oh. But she did. She's a maniac, maniac. No, <laughs> and then her head fell off. She was yeah, then her head fast. fell off. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's wearing something. She around. had the little yeah. choker on. Then they took right. the choker off. Right. Brad, uh, Brad, so, what do you think about this movie? Birthday it's your, boy, it's your birthday. What? Are, yeah. What are By the way, it's Brad's say? birthday today. Happy birthday, Brad! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, as a birthday present to you all, I'm going to tell you that I didn't like it nearly as much as some of you did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next person. Oh, oh no, Brad, oh, I'm sorry, Brad. What? Okay, give us give us why you didn't like it. Well, these for one thing, these really really old movies like this are not my cup of tea. Uh, I mean, I didn't absolutely hate it. I, for I, I I realized for its time, it was very you know it was a really well done movie. It was you know, um, but I don't know. I I have a question for Ralph related to it because Ralph is always pointing out how he d- hates the overacting. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> this this movie you haven't said a word about, but oh my god, because oh, I'm I'm so uh, I was I was waiting actually. No, I was gonna. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta get that hilarious. <laughs> I appreciate the film. I appreciate the look of the film. I appreciate what the director was doing. I like you cannot take myself away from the overacting yeah. stuff, and and I don't I can't get buried in the mythology of it all. Um, it's just not, it's not my, like you, it's not my cup of tea. Because well, I, I didn't, I don't remember why I only watched this for the, the podcast for this podcast. And I think the first time we, we did the roulette, maybe I watched it then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I it's just, it's too, it's too stage for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, but that's why, because all these people come from the stage. Understood. So it's, it's filmed that way. It was and very Shakespearean. I know I shouldn't do this because it's not, it's, it's just, you shouldn't do this, but to look at it in 2020 eyes and to think about that, this would actually scare people when they watch it for mm-hmm. the first time. I have a hard time separating myself from that. And that's not fair. It's not fair at all because mm-hmm. 50, 60 years from now, they're going to be saying the same things about us. But I just can't imagine people sitting around just being frightened, but especially when he's the, the the hermit thing, and I don't know if it's because of Young Frankenstein, but it's like that scene is just <laughs> it's, it's because of that, yeah. Young Frankenstein ruined that scene because it's it's they were spot on. I mean, he nailed every you know, Mel Brooks hit every note with this thing, and I just well, that's, think and that that's what I kept thinking as I'm watching. I'm like, oh yeah, look, I remember that from Young Frankenstein. Oh yeah, I remember that. From <laughs> and that's a much better Bride of Frankenstein movie. Young yeah. Frankenstein is, but um, but again, I appreciate as you as I'm watching it now. Just the art involved in putting this together mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. I oh, agree with that. It was a really well done piece of work for 1935. I mean, we were I saying mean, we were we were glad we watched it, yeah. but I wouldn't willingly watch it again. And that's right. just us, right? You no, know, it's just yeah. different. And like different you said, it certainly and... wasn't because it scared me. <laughs> um, well, but, every uh, time when a whole big crowd of people, like in the <laughs> middle of the day, this whole crowd of people runs out, and I said. <laughs> Does anyone have a job? 
<laughs> the job is well, tending the torches. Yeah, it's all the it's all the tropes. John loves the word trope, right? Love John? the word trope. And it's, it's all a real debate just, we're having over the tropes with the pitchforks. I mean, it yeah. hits every one of those things. And even yeah, the they they that's uh, what started the tropes. I mean, the burgermeister is actually a burgermeister in this one, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a guy with it, but without the doors. Um, yeah. So I I appreciate the film, but like Wojo, I'll never. Yeah. I have no reason to watch it again. But he, the guy from the darts is actually the police chief from Son of Frankenstein. You can tell the um, chief the inspector Ken- Kemp. Son of yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah. Has anyone seen Son nephew of Frankenstein? Of Frankenstein? <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, think he gets another credit. law of Frankenstein. Mine is Frankenstein. <laughs> what was that, Trish? Her neighbor's third cousin. <laughs> Trish, what doesn't it get enough credit for? I think the movie doesn't get uh, one of the things that unfortunately gets pushed under the carpet and is just in the movies, not in the book, is this whole like honeymoon, they just got married element. Um, because the Elizabeth part of it just disappears so easily in the movie but um it's kind of weird when you when you look at it later and realize they're newlywed and he's taking time away to go and like put together another monster put together a well he was kind of forced into it he was kind of forced into it he he was he wanted to do his science though yeah it's an obsession you could say he only did it to save her because the monster came and kidnapped her. But oh, he wanted to and, do and it. And there were wanted. things. There, there were other things in the movie that, like Ralph, if I could have suspended my belief a little better, I, think I would have been able to enjoy it more. But there were certain things, like um, you know, Frankenstein, the scientist. They think he's dead, and he looks like crap. And two minutes later, he's sitting up in bed and he's, he's fine. running around. Let's go do an and experiment. Let's, you know, and, and it just, I, I'm just used to different things. Yeah. yeah, you can't, you have to suspend that disbelief because yeah, I think, I mean, given that the director was gay, right? Yeah. All the women are hysterical in this. Like even Elizabeth's feigning every, mm-hmm. like she's fainting. <laughs> like I couldn't figure out why she was feigning. She's having all these, you know, then the monster comes in and drags her out. I, the, you know the way he the way he represented the women in this was kind of fascinating except, too. And, except Mary Shelley, who's just competently embroidering. With. Right, right. Yeah, I thought, wow, she wrote this novel, but let's not ta- like show her talk. <laughs> She's got to be doing her embroidery with the men. You know, just, well, they didn't have TV back then. This movie. is what happens when you open up a movie for analyzing, John. I know you're. I know it's driving you crazy. But <laughs> no, no, I totally disagree with all of you. <laughs> I, I can't tell because you always make that face and you look down and you just go like this. <laughs> hey, what were you going to say, Drew? I think it's pretty telling that you can have, you know, 85 years later, you can discuss the different things that come out of this movie and Agreed. what has influenced it. I mean, you can look at the movie and you can say it's a horror movie, it's science fiction, it's. Um, it's a, it's about it's about uh, it's a reverse of the story of Jesus Christ where he dies uh, where he gets resurrected and then he dies like it's it's all this different stuff that's going on in the movie that is that is worth discussing. I, I would have been curious to see. Um, it would probably have sucked because the other Dark Universe movie sucked, but the Angelina Jolie remake I think was going to be directed by Bill Condon who did Gods and Monsters and clearly has some real insight into oh, But I think they would have had to change the movie because the Bride of Frankenstein in essence is in this film for all of right. minutes. 
Right, and it's an Angelina Jolie movie. Angelina, so, if they right. had her in it, they oh. would have re, re. That's like that's well, a script. We'll never see that movie, but that's a script. I'd be curious to read that script just to see. You know, probably it's done poorly because a lot of those movies didn't work, and that's why they all died. I don't know if you saw the Mummy. The, the Mummy killed the Mummy killed the franchise. Yeah, what they were with the, the Tom Cruise Mummy. Tom Cruise, the one with Tom Cruise. The one with Tom Cruise. Oh. Yeah, no, I love the one with Brandon Fraser. Those are great. No, listen, I can sit here and say Brandon Fraser one. Yeah, that's a good that one, good. by the way. I that like is a good that one. one. Um, I can sit here with my 2020 eyes and say, you kind of laugh at some of the stuff. But, you know, it's like you guys are saying, it's 85 years old. How many forgettable Frankenstein movies have there been out between, oh, this, yeah. between yeah. these 85 years, right? Well, and, and this one stands out. I agree out. with you with that. It was, it was good to see it. It was good to talk about it, to analyze what it brought, and how right. much further along it brought the movie genre. The movie, you know, um, um, how things were shot, how things were laid out, how the scripts were written. But did I personally like it or love it? No. No, that's what the ratings for at the it end. Did for but, what right. it did. Right. Yeah. And but without this, how many how many costumes I've seen over the years of Bride of Frank? You know, you you know it instantly when you see a bride. Well, like John was saying, it's very iconic. What's that? Um, it's very iconic. The look. Yeah. For yeah. I think John's right. It, you know, this may be the most. Iconic female monster in the history. Of Except for pink flamingos. <laughs> <laughs> or species. She wasn't with bad divine. species. I remember with her. Divine I, mean, with the I believe the- Trish worked on the species sequel, didn't she? I did. I worked on species too. <laughs> nah, species was too much like alien. Species was too much like the alien. That was a female oh, monster. Geiger. That's right, a female monster. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and, and Drew, frankly, without this one, we wouldn't have Young Frankenstein. I know that's yeah, but, it's not just, but you say that. It's not just Young Frankenstein. I it's, wouldn't want you guys to miss out. It's the, electro- <laughs> it's the electronics for creation. It's oh, the no, no, it's film. The, it's all uh, the tropes. You all know, the tropes. Yeah, all tropes, Ralph. But, but that's why it's – I mean, the whole universal catalog of these monster movies – affects all the movies going after them. I mean, you know, think about that. The Wolfman, Dracula. All Have you guys movies. ever seen Monster Squad? Yeah, I love Monster Squad. That's a great okay. movie. Right. What is it? Werewolf's got nards. It's, uh, it's, it's the monsters come alive and these kids. Nobody the believes that these nards. monsters. It's Frankenstein. It's, I think, the Wolfman. There's well, a whole bunch Dracula's of, the bad guy. Really Dracula's the bad guy. But hmm. uh, the guy from Science of the Lambs plays... Uh, uh, Frankenstein, Tom. Mm. What's his name? Tom. I forget. The, the, he plays the bad guy in uh, Manhunter. I'm sorry, Manhunter. Oh yeah, he yeah. Plays he's... Paul, you know, yeah. yeah. Good yeah, actor. Anyway, that's, that's, that's a tribute then, to those Universal movies. That's right. That's why. Always Herman Munster. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best <laughs> monsters. <laughs> I saw him a lot. I love the monsters. Poor Fred Glenn. So. He was such a good actor. And what do most people remember him for? Hey, my cousin Vinny. Most people never get remembered for anything, though, Joe. Just remember he's a, that. He's my cousin Vinny. That's it. He's my cousin Vinny. He was awesome. Yeah, and remember. Uh, a ute? No What's a ute? Wait, wait. What'd you say, Sean? There is no monument on Fred Gwynn's grave. It's a oh. blank. You know, un- Why? Why? I guess probably he probably be defaced. Did he ever do oh. any of your films? Did you ever offer a film to him? No, he didn't. He didn't turn us down. Oh, okay. <laughs> Look, he took an iconic character and then made another iconic character out of that. That's yeah, a legacy for yeah. an actor to have. Yeah. Yeah. 
He reversed it because the book is so much about the father's son and the father is Frankenstein and the son's the monster. And then in this series, he was the sweetest dad. He was he cared so much about all the kids and everybody being happy. <laughs> it was a family sitcom. Just happened to be monsters. It was a That's nice how, monster. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah. It was great. Oh, Deb, uh, are you satisfied now? Because you've been dying to get this film on. I, I got to I got to put the nail in the um, coffin. The coffin? Because. (laughs) The table. The whole idea, this movie was like, how old? 1935, right? 85 years ago, this woman had this idea of a creativity uh, in in a creation that we're finding more about today. You know, this is way ahead of its time and it's, it's just. So it's girl power. Well, Mary Shelley wrote well, it in 1812. Right. On a dare, actually. Do you know that? It was a it was a contest, wasn't it? it was a, like yes. Lord Byron a had a bunch of people over his yeah. house, and yeah. it was who can write yeah. the scariest story in a weekend because they didn't have TV back then. So, <laughs> and here's the thing about that: it doesn't matter that she was a woman. It doesn't. No. A brilliant mind is a brilliant mind. It doesn't Absolutely. matter if you're a female or a male, and uh, kind of insulting. To me, you know, that not that you guys are insulting, but our culture is saying, oh, women are just as smart as men. Uh, Well, of course, but you don't have to really say that, do you? Actually smarter, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's true. There's Einstein was a genius. Well, I know you can break it down, but, you know, (laughs) there's so many, so many smart women that I've worked with, you know, not me, uh, (laughs) you know, really smart women. And they, they all, the funniest thing is I could tell you guys when I first met my boss and I went there, um, the first day she had on this really cute skirt and it was like flowing a skirt. She goes, Hey Deb, watch this. And she spun around and it was just like what you would do in like the third grade, you know, she goes, isn't that cool? And I said, yeah, (laughs) but she's a genius. I mean, she works, you know, she is amazing her mind and what she's what work is being done you know day and night and when i i'm out of it now so i could tell you I mean, you're work. out of it right now you're out I'm of it tired i re- no <laughs> oh i'm sorry you guys, <laughs> oh, you're out of it work. but um you know they, they just they just they can't stay on the move good I yeah, and the movie is the creative force, you know, that you, the DNA molecule, it, you're, we're decoding it, we're deciphering it, we're, tr- you know, we can clone, you know what I mean? And right. we can create a human, but it's very scary. I think we have to really watch that, you know, because you I think don't that's proved it. in the film. They realize yeah. they made a mistake. <laughs> So. You should damper in God's domain. God's domain. God's domain. All right. Let's let's but rate this. Let's rate this in our domain. We're not meant to play God. <laughs> okay, we're gonna rate this in our domain now. Let's start with our guest, Trish. It's either here's how we do it: Yippee mm-hmm. Kaye or Yippee mm-hmm. Kaye Nay. Or Yippee Kaye. On the fence, you go Yippee Kaye. Yeah. Um, Yippee Kaye on this ah, one. All right. I knew it's I liked it. Trish. Drew? I think maybe it should be part of the required viewing at National Institute of Health. <laughs> yes. I think it sounds like a good idea. Oh, Yippee-ki-yay for sure. I mean, it's excellent. It's a classic film. It's great. Wojo Brad? Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> That's where I was, too. That's pretty yeah. good. 
Uh, John? I have to give this a yippee a big one, a huge one. I love okay, this what movie. Is that? Is that that's my Boris that? Karloff. I don't know. Oh, that's know. what that is. I was confused. I Ralph, why don't you do Boris Karloff for me? Go ahead, let's do it. Wine good. You could just do Phil Hartman. Fireman. Oh, that's <laughs> I like. Yeah. Oh yeah, Phil Hartman. Uh, <laughs> all right, De- Debbie and Sean. I think I know. Come on. I am I'm going Yippie Kaye on the art of the movie. I'm going Yippie Kaye on the acting and the just how did people buy this stuff? I don't get it, but that, that's for me to You know the sad thing is Colin Clive. This. Colin Clive, who played Dr. Frankenstein, died shortly after this. Yeah, oh, Brad really? saw that. Yeah. He, was, he was young. He was thrown he, off a windmill. He had a, <laughs> he had a drinking problem, pretty bad yeah, drinking problem. He had the best problem. hair, though. Would always uh, he was great when he was right doing it. It's alive, it's alive. That, that I'm that always amazed at how much older they looked back then. I mean, oh, cool. well, well, you know, the, uh, the woman was uh, 17, um, I think. Yeah. The fiance yeah. was the 17. Doctor, what was the doctor's name? Pretorius. Pretorius. He was 56 at the time. And he looked like he was like He was four 80. years older than I am. <laughs> I know. He did look old, didn't he? But, uh, man, hard, put away wet, those guys. Well, that's what I said about High Noon, Brad. When I watched High Noon, uh, Gary Cooper was 50 years old. Mm. And if you look at him in that movie, he's got the lines. He just yeah. looks yeah. old. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't know what it is about that time period. But I just think we're aging better because of cloning. Uh, <laughs> Preserving. Uh, DNA yes. manipulation. Oh, oh. Right. Mm-hmm. Genetic codes. Been, coming from our devices. I've, yeah, I've been I spliced. So. Right, that was a good one. Um, what's that? I said transplants. You know, oh, uh, air conditioning. Air conditioning. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, we're talking about next week's podcast. I was going to jump the line and bring a movie, but it's Brad's birthday, and I guess yeah. I can't really jump the line. Yeah. So. Today is my birthday, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's right. Brad picks the, the Brad, movie, pick the movie for the next one. Oh, I'll for 1971 again. No, no rush. Bringing that, but uh, yeah, let us know. Let us know in a couple of days so we can get a get a jump on it. Sean, and to all something? our audience, what do we want to wish our audience? Happy Thanksgiving. A very happy Thanksgiving. Yes. As good as you can have under the present circumstances. <laughs> well, they, you know, they just so you know, they don't celebrate Thanksgiving around the world, so we don't want to cut. Well, well I'm pretty sure the ten people the that watch this are from the United I States. I want to wish our friends in Southeast Asia a happy Tet Offensive. There you go. Oh, just so, so. And with that, we just lost five more of the nine people who follow us. All right, us. listen. Wow. Sorry, Vietnam. Oh, they're now. Yes, they're right. Not exactly. The whole country. <laughs> Trish, thank you, Trish. It's okay. Yeah, I hope I hope this doesn't stop you from listening down the road. I hope now that you've been on it and all the secrets have been exposed that you'll still listen. I'm t- I'm a total fan for sure. Okay, and come on, well, if, if, if other than Straw Dogs, if there's another movie, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, one that you've worked on, that. something you've worked on in your in your career that you want to bring to the table. Yeah, you give us know. some backstory on, right? Uh, it's all good. Uh, That'd be awesome. Thanks for joining us, Trish. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. All right, guys. Everybody have a good week, and we'll see you next week. All of you okay. have a great Thanksgiving. All of you. John, you want to end with your? Uh, do you have your? Do you have your Frankenstein head up? Oh yeah. Wait a minute. Let me get that. Uh, I, it makes noise too, by the way. <gasps> uh, we don't really need. Okay. Look at Box. that. Just do it, John, because we can't hear it. It's alive. It's alive. All right. Oh, it's just like being in the movie. <laughs> Very scary. All right, everybody, have a great week. We'll John see you next week. Thank you. Bad. <laughs> <laughs>